0: Welcome to Party Party Five and a Half.
1: Well, hello there. How's it going? I'm doing good.
0: Okay, we had a conversation not too long ago, and I wanted to circle back with you on it. And it was on the topic of angels and whether or not people become angels. So what do you think?
1: Well, I think the scriptures tell us it's pretty evident that angels and people are two separate types of beings. Okay. Okay. Um, I think angels are with in the spiritual realm, they're with God, and they're in that realm. And at this point, being in the physical world, we are a little below the angels because we're in the physical world. Mm -hmm. But I don't think once we die and go to heaven that we become angels, we're just another being with the angels. That's worshiping God and being with God.
0: Okay. I like that explanation. Yeah. So today on our podcast, we're interviewing a guy named Joseph Perez, and he has got quite the fascinating story. And he wrote this book.
1: Angels in Afghanistan.
0: Yeah. It is a really great
1: book. And it caught my eye because we had just had that discussion and I followed Joseph on social media. So I saw that he wrote this book and I'm like, we were totally just talking about this. So that's what got me interested in reading the book.
0: Yeah. So let's see what he has to say about angels in Afghanistan.
2: you doing doing awesome how are you thank you so much for having me this is incredible this is yeah thank you so much this is awesome thank you
0: this is so cool what a cool book you have here oh (laughs)
2: thank you so much i was saying i always usually just send them if anybody's interested i just send them (laughs) uh did a little mini book tour and i was just like did everything donation based i was like hey i know uh, COVID hit everybody hard so um, the goal was not to make a million dollars off of this it was just to make an impact and people actually were very generous with donations yeah Um. so I, I think I made more than I would have if I would have just
0: charged just yeah I mean, that's typically that's how that call. happens <laughs> uh,
1: it's awesome yeah so. well what was interesting is we were kind of getting we were getting in a discussion of angels and then I saw we started following you on Instagram and I saw the book and I'm like we need to read this book because we were just talking about this yeah stuff, so
0: yeah, it so, kind of all oh,
1: happened awesome. perfectly at the perfect times. So. Yeah.
0: How does that
1: happen? That's perfect timing. Yeah, <laughs> That's right. Exactly. exactly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly. So
1: where are you you went for a gig? Are you already back from the gig or are you still there?
2: I uh I went out for the gig in New Orleans. I just landed. Uh my agent just called me and said, like, hey, got an audition for you for GMC out in LA. And I'm supposed to be in law school in person November 11th to the 17th. And she, they might want to book you in LA for number sixth to 10th. And I was like, "Can you just let me know like ASAP? I don't mind doing it. I just need a plan if I need to go from Denver or uh, to fly out from there." And she was, and they always they always get you as soon as they can. Like there's no um, holding back. But I just said it was kind of uh and so she just wrote me and said, "Hey, they wanna um, they wanted the callback. You got the call back. They want to see you at final callbacks." Uh, me like, "Hey, send me your time." And I was like, "Just you send me a time and I'll make it work." <laughs> so uh, they want to see me Monday. 2:45 mountain time so that's scheduled for my for my final callback yeah and we'll okay. see how it goes
0: in your there you world come. i don't know how you deal with time zones time zones are the devil to me there. oh <laughs> so confusing
2: yeah, the <laughs> virtual probably... virtual calls and
0: yeah like the little
2: turn it towards turn to vertical turns it and you're just like when you go in the room you have to turn it to vertical because there's a, like a bug in Zoom. And then once you actually hop on the call with the director, then you got to go back to horizontal because that's what they want to see. And you're like, got it. Sounds, sounds great. I'll just, Whatever. we'll just make it work. Yeah. So you're the actor
1: and the AB guy all at the same time.
2: <laughs> that's what, that's actually my acting coach was, uh, he was talking to um, like SAG, SAG-AFTRA before the strike started. He was like, you guys have to, um, he told them they need to step up their game because we're doing your job. Mm-hmm. We're doing sound, we're doing lighting. Um, we're hiring people to be readers. And it's like when you have, when it's a big audition, you need to, it's a, like off camera reading is a skill. And so some people will try to overtake the performance. I had somebody that, granted, I was at a hotel and they were just trying to help, but they tried to memorize all the lines and they were off camera reading. And so they, I kept on getting wrong lines. And I was like, I don't know how to say this in the nicest way possible. Like you can just read it. Like you, there's, you don't yeah. have to try to memorize it because he would say something that wasn't in the line. I'm like, I'm just gonna send this. Like, <laughs> you just
1: gotta
0: <laughs> just gotta go with it. So. Wow, what a what a life, what a crazy life. <laughs> He's yeah. graphics he because graphics on corporate shows. Yeah,
1: so. so I do a lot of the AB oh. stuff. So yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. So wow, that's awesome. Say, how did you guys get started?
1: Oh, with the podcast? We just, like, we started right before COVID, COVID, we just started, hey, let's do it. Yeah, so we we're started kind of doing it. Yeah. both
0: creative people, and yeah. I think we just needed a creative outlet. We talked our kids into remaking the Goonies movie over COVID, so <laughs> I know. It's nuts. Oh, we made them awesome. all play at least two roles, and I don't know. It was hilarious, and also, I had to bribe them with, like, pizza by the end of it to, like, just show up to, like, to just... Yeah.
1: Just well, what's build. funny our oldest son who had come back from college when covid happened you know so he became our director because he's actually really good at like is, doing all that yeah but at one point he he quit the show he quit, he quit, he quit the yeah. goonies so, Whoa. <laughs> i took over directly it's just kind of funny yeah he came back and he all directed
0: that, but, the first so. app and then scott directed took a him. hiatus he was like yeah, too exactly.
1: much too much <laughs> yeah it was pretty funny so
0: i don't know we just we love doing this and i we just we're we just love it. So we just keep doing it. Yeah. Yep. Even after COVID, awesome. we just kept doing it. So, yeah. So, thank you for joining us because I know you have a really busy life. So, we want to. No,
2: no worries. I love it. This, I love this. So, this is, <laughs> I love working with people that they're Christian, they care about God, hire for God. Um, I yeah. always make time for that. There's yeah. people that I won't hang out with that, like, hey let's go to party let's do this is like what would possibly make you think
1: <laughs> that's what I want to do like yeah. Yeah. on a Thursday yeah. on a Friday
2: night like that's just not um, no thank you so yeah. but like when it's like regardless of um of what like there's if there's something I'm passionate about that there's value there um you're further in the gospel of Christ like I will always do what yeah. I can to make it work
0: yeah well awesome. we appreciate that and you are from Colorado right is that where you live
2: I actually, so I'm in Colorado right now. I'm in the Denver area, but I grew up in Europe. So my family was in the military. So I grew up in Southern Bavaria Okay. Um,
0: And
2: so that's really where I like, I I would call home because I was born in Texas, but all my memories, we lived in Italy and then Germany and my parents were split. So I um, would spend the like school year with my dad in Germany and then go to Seattle with my mom in the summer and Christmas. um, I just had that. And it was funny because I was just talking to someone. And she was like, "What leaves like there?" And it wasn't until I came back for university that I actually saw the leaves change in one place the entire year. I always wondered when people like because whenever I went to to Germany, it was one way; it was fall and spring. And when I went to Seattle, it was summer and winter. So I was like, "I just that's all I saw." And, and so whenever people would talk about the leaves changing the colors, I was like. They're always the same wherever I go. Like I don't, yeah. I don't know. And so when I stayed there for an entire year, it's like I got to see Seattle for university. Um, go there in fall, see it change to winter, then stay there for spring and then summertime. I was like, ah, this is yeah, cool, this,
1: is, this yeah. is awesome.
0: <laughs> well, we actually are in Texas, so you know we don't see a whole lot of changing of seasons. We have just like cold and hot, and the cold only happens two days of the year. But our son is in Colorado. He's a raft guide up in the That's Royal fun. Gorge. Yeah. And really? He that. Oh, that's awesome. He loves it up there. So, how did you end up there? Do you yes, just things. love
2: it? In Colorado, I absolutely love Colorado. The uh, this is what this was actually my first active duty uh, military assignment. So okay. Fort Carson, Colorado, and Colorado Springs. Um, I wasn't trying to chase the deployment. I wasn't trying to do any. People were actually trading and taking on extra service obligations like two to three years of their contract just to go someplace so they could deploy. And I was just, my mindset was, I will go wherever God sends me, that's it. I'm not gonna try to chase something because that might not be what I need in my life. Um, Or it could be, but I don't wanna try to manipulate the situation. Yeah. Because everybody I know that did that, my friend, he's actually a Navy SEAL now. He told me, uh, he's like, he joked that I took his slot because he was trading his assignments to try to get to where I was and then he traded for someplace that was supposed to deploy, and he, uh, they ended up not deploying. And so he's like, well, uh, I guess that didn't work out. But I ended up here first for that. And then when I got out of the military, um, I was planning to travel the world and teach English. And Amazon called me and said, hey, we we have a job for you back in Denver. So I bought a ticket back to the United States, started working in Denver. Um, and from there, that's when the acting modeling kind of started, it started happening.
0: Yeah. That's so cool. Can you tell me, um, when, when did you become a believer?
2: I accepted Christ as my savior at 13 years old, okay, uh, June 14th, 2013. Um, I believe it was 6:15 PM. <laughs> uh, I remember writing down on a goth track. The, uh, when I. When I accepted Christ, that was kind of an out-of-body experience for me. They say that sometimes I don't share this with people because they're if they're not believers, they understand. If they are, sometimes they question you. Um, but it felt like in that moment, like it was just I was traveling out of my body. And I, I never took anything and just told everybody. I just kind of kept it internally. Um, but from then it was like I just wanted to to read the Bible, I wanted to understand, I wanted to be in church. It's like when you're first, when you first convert you just have that fire inside of you. Um, And Satan sees that he wants to pull you back. There was always that conflicting because my dad didn't go to the same church as my mom did. So I would spend the summer and it's like, you're 13, you're trying to tell your parents, but you can't really tell your parents what to do. So you just go where they, where they take you. Um, So there was that, but that also strengthened my faith, I think because um, it forced me to look at we were Catholic. And so I would just ask the priest and I was like, it says not to call anybody father in the Bible. So why are we supposed to call you father? And they really didn't have answers for me. Um, They kind of just were like, stop asking questions. And I was like, well, that's not what the Bible says. So (laughs) um, that really, I think strengthened my faith little by little, but that's where I I started um, and try to continue to grow every single day.
1: Yeah.
0: That's awesome.
2: (laughs) That's awesome.
1: Yeah. So through your teen years, how did you end up in the military through high school? I
2: I felt I, I, I think I was called to the military and I originally actually wanted to be a professional quarterback in the NFL. That was what I wanted to do. Um, I moved. It was difficult because I grew up in Germany. And so the football they played was a little bit different. Um, But the, I went to American school and I felt like I just ran into, it was a good learning lesson for me Um, running into issue after issue. Uh, People didn't want to give me that position. I felt like I was, I was better at this, that, but I was the whole time growing up. Um, I was on military installation. So I didn't realize how familiar I was with that world until I went to college When um, I was offered a full ride by God's grace um, to the air force and to the army and the army gave me a full ride scholarship. And so I ended up accepting that, not really knowing what I was getting into because I only knew the dependent side, uh, being on a military installation, going to schools there uh, very different once you go active duty, but that was the uh, the process, starting overseas and being on installations, and then accepting that scholarship.
0: Okay, because
2: okay. your scholarship was football for Army? Uh, no, so it was a uh, Reserve Officer Training course scholarship, oh,
0: okay. Um, okay.
2: and okay. so they, uh, I was going to be, I was actually doing testing to be a pilot in the Air Force, and the Air Force had everything done. The Air Force offered me a three-quarter scholarship. The Army said, we'll give you a full ride, so I was like, I'll take the full ride. That. A yeah. full ride is a good thing for sure.
0: Yeah.
1: I feel like Joe's done a little bit of everything. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna get into more of that, but yeah. you, you kind of you're a renaissance man. So. <laughs> so when you're first deployed, what is it like when you get that call to be deployed? We're trying to get in the mind of the soldier and how all those emotions are once you get deployed somewhere.
2: The uh that's that's a great question. The um the the mental aspect. So I'll preface it with saying everybody has a different assignment, but everybody feels the real uh, the real situation of facing your mortality, um, going into a combat zone. It doesn't matter if you're working in finance, doesn't matter if you're working in human resources, you are in a combat zone and you are exposed to combat situations. Um, so whether you do patrols every day or not, and so I think everybody immediately feels that when they say you're going to deploy, they have that thought of you have to start making preparations for if you don't come back, you have to write your will. You have to prepare finances. Um, you have to do extra paperwork. And actually something that a lot of people don't know is before you go, you have to take pictures of your face, your hands, any tattoo, any scars, any marks, because, and I was just doing it. Cause they're like, go to this building, go here, go here, take this picture. And I was like, I'll just go. And I finally stopped and asked, like, why are we, why am I taking pictures of my hands? And they're like, so, if you're killed in combat, they can identify your body. And once that hit, I was like, wow, that's, this is like, this is real. Um, And so once they say you're going to Afghanistan, I think everybody has that feeling of, okay, um, this isn't a game anymore. We need to, we need to straighten up. And there's the real possibility that people might not come home. Mm. Um, And so you kind of feel that no matter what, but the other side of me is I didn't really, think of that, of not coming home. I thought about the responsibility that was on me to bring everyone I was responsible for home. Um, and so that's really what drove me. That's what drove the training. And once I had that shift, um, that's where I feel like we, we grew as a team, um, as a cohesive unit. Uh, I didn't care that I was a senior ranking person. I just asked everybody what is your skill? What is your background? Are we approaching this deployment right? We just received our mission. We know this area. How do, how do the Taliban work in Kandahar? How do they work north of Kandahar and Kabul? How do they work over here? Uh, when is the fighting season? Um, what are the cultural customs that we have to respect with the Afghan uniformed police that we're gonna work with? And they just, they do it. They had all this, it's like I was technically senior, but they had the experience and so I had to rely on them Um, And that was my approach of like, I don't care how we get it done. We just have to
0: make sure everybody comes home. Wow. That is a huge responsibility. How
1: did your family react when they're knowing you're getting deployed? How was it on their side? They, I think they wanted to spend
2: as much time as possible with me. Um, Everybody has advice when, whenever you, whenever you deploy, my dad was in the military, my mom was in the military, uh, sister was in the military. And so everybody has their advice that they want to give. And so I just, graciously just took their advice, let them give advice, um, but also had to look at my, what is my responsibility? What is my duty? What is my role um, in this unit? And I have to go with that. So I take uh, what my job is and if I can include other things, I do. Um, But I think they were, they told me later they were scared. They were nervous for me, um, told me don't go be a hero. But for me, it was, I, I have to go in not without thinking about my life. So if I, cause if I do that, I'm going to hesitate. And they say that the, the most, the time when you're most likely to get hurt, if you're doing snowboarding and doing flips, or if you're doing gymnastics is if you don't fully commit. Wow. And so for me, if I, if I hesitated or didn't go do something um, and wasn't thinking about the team, that's where I felt like I would uh, cause the most harm or do the most damage. So for me, even if it meant giving my life, Um, or exposing myself for someone else so they could get back safe. That's just what I needed to do. Mm
0: -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. That, that's just incredible. Like pressure and focus. I've done some training on like leadership skills and you saying like Mm -hmm. how you look at the people around you and you see their strengths and figure out, you know, where they should be, what they should be doing and then learning your environment. That's just, that's a lot to do in a, in a place where you could lose your life, you know?
2: Yeah. That's incredible. uh, Yeah. You really build, but I always say it's by God's grace. God, Absolutely. God had his hand in everything. He knew what was coming. Um, and I talk about in the book, it was everywhere that I went got hit. So I would go somewhere. There would be the next day someone was uh, hit by a sniper attack in the head. And he actually survived because it skimmed his helmet.
0: Jeez. But it was literally,
2: we were, the day, we were there the day before. I would go somewhere wow. else uh, and they would say, hey, there was just a suicide vest. They would show me the position on the map. And I told one of our commanders, that's literally where I dismounted from our vehicle. That's where I put my foot on the ground. Wow. Um, and that just happened again and again. And so when people tell me, like, uh, when they try to say God's not real, we need proof. I was like, trust me, God is real. God is real. Satan is real. And God has his hand in our lives every day.
0: Absolutely. Hmm. So what was, like, one of the most dangerous missions you've been on?
2: Um, that's, I think that's, like, a three-way tie. <laughs> there were a couple. Um, <laughs> the one where I felt, I think, the most apprehension and nervousness, uh, I, I'll preface it by talking a little bit about the Taliban. Um, the Taliban is very familiar with the military tactics. So if someone is hit with an IED, the U.S. military would go send a quick reaction force or a QRF, basically people to go help recover them if, there's, if they need to secure it, to get a Blackhawk in there, to pull someone out to a hospital or a medical facility, and they know we're going to send that. Um, so what they typically do is they'll do what they call fixing someone where you plan to attack somebody and then you plan to hit the reinforcements. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that actually happened on one mission. Um, and then the following mission, I was the quick reaction force and it's basically a 24 hour, like you go, if anything happens and you just, you're up there by your vehicles and you're on for a 24 hour period. And so there was an attack and wanted us to go reinforce them. And they basically told us like, be ready to get hit. I was like, all right. That's, I mean, that's what we're here for. But uh, there was a, there was a suicide vet strike. And so we had to go do civilian, uh, like, casual, I forgot what it, the the term for it. um, CivCast, civilian casualty assessment. And so uh, we had to go look in the hospital where they attacked. We had to go to this area. And so I remember going out and I, everybody everybody's like, be ready because they know we're coming. And most of the time they'll try to hit us. So uh, I remember going out and just thinking, there's not a lot of place for us to have cover. There's not a lot of area where we can conceal our movement or cover our movement with our our machine guns. And so I made the decision, which was technically a tactically poor decision. It was, I decided it was going to be me, the translator, the radio transmission operator, and the I think one other person, maybe it was uh, the medic, but I basically wanted the smallest amount of people on the ground possible and have all the squad leaders ready to dismount um, and ready to move our vehicles, or sorry, ready to move our vehicles in case there was a strike. Um, so if we got hit, basically it would be me taking taking the hit if there was a suicide vest or someone else. Mm. Um, and so I remember going through and that was the moment where I felt like my life was about to end. I remember like an out-of-body experience again. I remember seeing my foot hit the ground and the dust kick up from my boot. And it was like, I was looking at myself and I saw, this one's really hard to talk about. Um, I saw my mom hugging me mm. uh, back at Fort Carson and it was like, this is it. Like, this is, this is how you go. And so I thought, okay, if this is what God wants, then I need to be okay with that. Mm -hmm. Um, and so after that everything just sped up and so we had to go in this hospital we had to go clear things I remember seeing blood everywhere this large group gathering and I was like that's dangerous because someone can detonate a suicide vest I had to go to another annex and everybody's calling me on the radio like you need to get out right now like we got people coming like there's really high threats here they had a seven minute recall for an IED strike there and so that basically means within seven minutes they can come at you And hit you with an improvised explosive device. So, that for me was the biggest threat, but also being fully exposed uh, was a big threat too. And so, I remember going through that and thinking, we're at the six minute mark. Now I'm putting people in danger. But my higher headquarters is like, we need this intelligence. So, you need to don't come back without that intelligence. And so, there's always those conflicting priorities. And I think I might have gone over the time a little bit, but we were able to get out um, get everything that we needed. And I just felt like after that, that was a real wake up call for Mm. being submissive to God, no matter what God wants, even if it's, this is your time, this is the end of your life, then, uh, that's what I need to be submissive to. Yeah,
1: Mm. absolutely. So when you go in, do you set, do y'all set your watches at seven minutes to know that's how much time you have? Does some, is somebody counting down?
2: Um, I was keeping track of it. You typically uh, will designate that. So, um, it depends on the area you're in. That area did have a, have a recall. Um, It was on highway seven. Yeah. Um, So I usually overlook that, but you also have someone kind of uh, kind of a secondary person uh, Mm. observing that as well. Oh
0: gosh, that's crazy.
1: (laughs) Oh my word. Um, So intense. So in the book you talk about there's times that you've like seen evidence of the spiritual realm in the form of angels. So Mm -hmm. can you take us through a couple of those moments and then we'll kind of talk about what that means in your life and our lives and just what the yeah. purpose of all that is. So
2: oh yeah. The yeah. so the first time uh, was in Afghanistan. I saw two angels over my friend. Um, and this was this was one of the Bible verses where it says, uh, tomorrow is not promised and say "Now I will go do this, but uh Lord willing, um, I'll do this. And I remember I was talking with my friend and I was working out. I was like doing push-ups and squat jumps, and he just kept talking to me, and I was like, This is really strange. Usually don't do that when someone's doing that. And uh, I, I never liked to make plans before. Cause I was like, I don't know if they're going to come true, especially in this combat zone. You don't want to say, Hey, let's go do this. And I found myself just saying, um, Hey, yeah, we're definitely going to go skiing. We're going to go to Breckenridge. We're going to go to Keystone. We're going to go um, do all the fun things. Um, and I in, in my heart, I was like, I don't know if I should say this, but I just kind of finally let that go. Um, and not being scared. Uh, what, what I should have said was, Lord willing, let's do this. And as we were getting ready to leave, uh, he said he had to go on a patrol. So I, I remember the spirit just telling me, tell him to stay safe, tell him to stay safe, tell him to stay safe. And when I put out my hand and he shook my hand, I said, stay safe. I could, that's when I could see two angels over him, one on his left shoulder, one on his right shoulder. And they just looked like majestic statues. Like I remember I was taken aback, um, but I wasn't scared really in that moment. And for me, what it meant was that God is always, always with us and always at work for us. And for him, it feels like I remember what he went through after that, because I remember once he went up, uh, he said he had to leave. I saw that I went up to our command post and they said somebody that just left was hit by an improvised explosive device. And so I asked and they said it was him. And I just I was like, man, like I just like I just saw him. And so I just went in my office. I was praying. But for me, when I look back, that that time that time was so hard for him. But when I look at how God orchestrated that, He had two angels over him in that difficult time, protecting him. And so I think about whenever we go through these hard times, we feel like we're alone, we're scared. It's like that's when God is right there with us through the hard times where we can't see it, but He's there. That's when when He's got His protection that's when he's at full force with us, walking us through these trials of life. Um, The other time was when I was in the dance studio, I was learning ballroom dance because it was interesting. I actually ended up- Of course, you're learning
1: ballroom dancing.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So once I came home, I was just like, I got to learn everything I can. I was very, very grateful. Um, And so uh, I I ended up going to his wedding and I saw their wedding dances and I was like, man, I really want to learn that. I think that would be really fun. So I ended up going, it was because of his wedding he survived that mission. We lost two people. He, I ended up going to his wedding in Boston, saw that, and started taking lessons. And I remember seeing the owner's wife on the floor. I remember because she was wearing black slacks and a blue shirt. And I was wearing black, uh, like black shorts and a blue shirt, like the exact same color scheme. Um, and so I was going to go talk to her. And I remember seeing two baby angels over her. Hmm. And I told my dance instructor, I was like, I need to just take a quick break. I looked And I was like, it looks like they're consoling her. And I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't say anything to anybody. And I was writing my instructor that night. And I think I sent her a Bible verse of tomorrow is not promised. And she said, it's funny that you say that because the owner's wife just found out that her brother was tragically killed in an accident, river rafting. Mm. And I thought about that and I didn't tell anybody, I never shared this with anybody. Um, I was constantly deploying working 16 hour days back home. And so that, that for me just showed in retrospect, like when it feels like we're the most alone, that's when God has his greatest protection over us. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a good reminder for me. Cause even some of these trials I'm going through right now, the last year was really, really difficult because I was just chasing the dream of acting, but that's what God put on my heart. Like you need to travel to the U.S. You need to put everything you have mm. into this. So that's what I did. And it was like, I realized now we were walking together we were side by side. And now my agent is telling me, Joe, you're not the same person that you were a year ago. You're, we're, we're doubling your rate because of this experience that you have in Atlanta and going up to New York and going, um, now you're on TV shows. And it's like, if I wouldn't have listened to what God have told me to do, I never would have had that. And I never thought about that Mm-hmm. But people are telling me, like, man, I can't believe I knew you back when I was like, You guys, we still know each other. Okay. we <laughs> like we still we still know each other. But that that was really eye-opening for me. And now I can be more selective. Um, and just see that like God was there the whole time and everything's fine, like it always is, God's always yeah. right. Um, and that for me is like going forward, like, hey, it doesn't matter what you're going through, it doesn't matter how desperate you feel, like he's right there with you, and you never know who's around you.
0: Yeah, yeah. absolutely.
1: Why do you think you're able to see those things
2: sometimes? Mm-hmm. That is a really good question. The first thing I always preface is there's nothing special about me. Uh, my friend told me I have a special connection. Uh, for me, I think I have a childlike faith where mm-hmm. if I I just I trust that God is gonna go go with me and be with me no matter what, because that's what he says. And so whenever I go at something, it's like, do I do I trust him or do I trust him? Mm-hmm. Because like if he tells me to go, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sprint at it. I'm gonna run and go, if he says, jump off the cliff, then I'm just going to sprint and go. Um, And every time he's, he's, he's given me something to do that I don't understand. I just remember just going with it. Sometimes I cry. Sometimes I laugh. Sometimes, you know, we rejoice. Sometimes I feel like I'm alone. Sometimes I have a lot of people around me, but the one consistent is that he's always by my side. Um, And so when he showed me that, I think it was to show me like, I'm never going to leave you. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what I, I'm showing you these things that are happening in other people's lives, uh, in other people's lives. Um, I never left them. I'm never going to leave you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, he doesn't ever want us to forget that. Um, and so when I wrote the book, I told the I told the publishing company, you don't even have to put my name on this. Mm-hmm. And they were like, we should probably put your name on it. So <laughs> <laughs> um, I was like, all I want to do if I can help one person, mm-hmm. um, lead one person to Christ, talk to one piece person, encourage one person then it'll be worth it. And it's, it's done way, way more than I ever thought. So I never thought I would publish a book. So it's been a huge blessing.
0: That's so cool. I mean, in all through the old Testament from the beginning of time, you know, God's been proving to us that he's a promise maker and a promise keeper. And that's exactly what he's done for you continually over and over again, Mm -hmm. showing you that he goes before you and he's beside you. So that's really, really cool. Um, Okay. So speaking of old Testament, uh, (laughs) a little bit speaking of old Testament, Mm -hmm. What is your thoughts on what's happening with the Gaza Strip right now? I've been teaching Old Testament to our kids where well, our kids are adults oh, and their wow. girlfriends. Um, and we talk, I mean, even, you know, Gaza is in scripture and, you know, Hebron. And I, I just, all these places mentioned, we know, go back to 2000 BC. So what is your take on what's happening on the Gaza Strip right now? Uh,
2: for me, part of it is very prophetic. It's a sign of the end times where you hear about tribulations and rumors of wars um they're attacking the holy land and i and the big thing for me is uh i think we want to attack a group we want to attack a people um but the bible tells us you fight you wrestle not against flesh and blood but but against palities and spirits Mm -hmm. um and powers in high places and so i keep in mind there are terrorist groups there are people that are doing very bad things but there are also influences there um so the first thing i approach it with is with prayer um, because once you include God in, in the situation and bring God in the situation, um, things change that that could, you can't explain. The walls come, t- come tumbling down. Jericho comes tumbling down. You have David defeating, um, a shepherd defeating a Goliath. Uh, once you bring God in the situation. And so I always try to think not to do anything in my flesh. Because I think we have that kind of, I'm going to go fight i'm going to do this and i haven't told anybody this um except for one person but once that happened i actually talked to a military recruiter and they're doing my paperwork right now uh, to go back in the army so if i can then i'll deploy in support of that um if possible but that's still in the works um the big picture for me too i want to include in that a lot of those soldiers aren't making their own choice to be there some of them are but when you deploy, I didn't tell the army, I'm going to Afghanistan. Um, they told me and they sent me and they sent everyone there. So most of the people fighting, um, there is that they were sent there. Uh, and so a lot of, one of the people that, you know, I work with, it's like, hey, they just joined the army so they could go to college. Um, I don't know about the hate that's in the terrorist groups. I always keep that in mind. Something else is pushing them there. They're either coercing them, force or something out. If you don't do this, um you need to go uh detonate this IED, you need to go shoot this rocket because that even happened in attacks with us where they just the Taliban would influence people's family and they're the ones that you see on TV holding the rocket. Mm-hmm. They're the one you see shooting the AK-47, but behind closed doors it's because the Taliban is saying if you don't do this, then we're going to kill your family or hurt your family. So yeah. I always try to keep that in mind. Um, there's more influence there than we see uh, but also um, thinking about the the pol- things that are happening in politics and spiritual politics where Satan is fighting a real fight and so for me what I always keep is focus on God always always focus on God what do I need to do in this situation how can I how can I continue to be in your will mm-hmm. but help this situation because it's devastating it breaks my heart when I see, when I see armed combatants shooting civilians mm-hmm. um, that, mm-hmm. that makes me want to go over there and throw my uniform and, and start fighting again. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, uh, cause we had a situation where um, it was, there was a bullet shot at my window and I didn't get ordered to fire back because it came from a building and I was like, there's kids in there. I, we're not, we're not going to do that. So we're going to Charlie, Mike, we're going to continue mission. Um, and so when I think about that, my heart goes out to the people of Israel, to the to the innocent civilians that are now civilian casualties. Mm-hmm. Um, that that really really breaks my heart. And so that's what I do is just, say, God, whatever you want me to do, please let that be known.
0: Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's so true. And I think it's it's so devastating. And we only get this these little pictures off of social media wow. and how that is. And I mean, it's so hard because we see things. And it's one thing we talk about is like with social media now, everybody gets the same information at the same time, you know, so, mm-hmm. you know, years ago and with with Hitler, these things trickled out across the world and this is just yep. in our face constant and so like we're trying to figure out like how do we process this emotion and how do we, you know, where do we find out I think I love thinking about, which I actually haven't thought as much about as I should, but that spiritual battle that's going on over there, not just the physical one and just keeping that at the forefront of my mind. Cause we know that overall that is uh, the spiritual battle that's happening over that, over that area is I'm sure very intense. So it's good to keep that perspective. How do we like, where do we find that hope and how do we manage our feelings just as not a person that's been in combat, but just like normal old people from Texas.
2: For me, uh, the thing that stuck out the most is someone told me everybody serves in their own way. Mm-hmm. So if everybody was uh, a medical doctor, a physician, if everybody was um, a contractor, a construction worker or a teacher, it just wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. You have to have everybody. and It's the same thing with the body, the church. Um, you have all the different body, uh, the body parts, as the Bible describes and said, like, you, the ear can't get mad because it's not the lips and the eye can't get mad because it's not the foot. All of them are critical pieces and you feel that whenever um, in the physical sense, when you don't, uh, when you have a sickness or um, you have a pain somewhere or if you, if you stub your finger and you realize how much you use that body part uh, and how important it is. Um, And so I say any support that we can give, um, it can be, I think the strongest support that we can give is prayer. Uh, A lot of people say it's finances, it's this. I struggle with that a little bit because you don't always know who you're giving to. Um, So I like to be very familiar with organizations, knowing their leadership, their practices, uh, their banking, their accounting. Um, And so for me, it's if and if we pray, then we include God in the situation and um, just providing finding. I, I like providing resources and services. So I know there's a need. We just had a missionary said, hey, there's a need in India for clothes there's a need for school supplies. There's a need for this. I feel a lot more comfortable getting school supplies for kids than saying, Hey, here's this money, um, take it and yeah. do it as you see fit. So that I think letters of encouragement, it it is incredible what a handwritten letter can do for you in a combat zone. It, it feels like for, for those two minutes that you're reading, you're not in Afghanistan. You're not, in a combat zone. It's like, man, I know, I know this writing. I'm back at home again. Um, And so any, any way that we can, I think look for a way that we can serve is going to be beneficial as long as we're actively seeking it out. So prayer first and foremost, um, and then finding those ways, if there's a need for clothes, if there's a need for food, water, um, all those are really important because just having like an old spice shampoo bottle, uh, <laughs> over there, I like, Oh, hallelujah. I like the Starbucks okay. drinks. So yeah. that for me, is, uh, they had the sparkling beverages when I had that, I was like, oh, this is heavy.
0: <laughs> that's so funny. So is there a way that we can write letters to, to soldiers that, I mean, we don't have a connection to any of them. Were you getting letters from home and, or is there something like that?
2: Oh, yeah. So the USO is a really, really good resource for that. Um, okay. So there's, what's difficult um, for a lot of operations, like special operations, uh, they'll go and obviously there's classified information so you can't, so I don't know if there's, I won't say whether well, there's a military, a US military presence overseas in Israel, but um, or fighting in a realm. Uh, they, they made some public statements about their Navy moving warships, uh, but the USO is a really good resource is where you okay. can send letters and care packages and those will get to the soldiers and we love those.
1: Okay. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Letters and Old yeah. Spice,
0: gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> when I think of in processing all this too, for me, it's like, I wanna be in the know. I wanna know what's going on. So I'll listen to the news and get the information. But at yep. some point it's like, man, I've got, it just gets so heavy. Then I know that when I, when it gets that heavy, I know, okay, I've got to take a break from this. I need to listen to some worship music. I need to listen to a sermon. Yep. I need to balance this. I want to be in the know, but I it's so heavy that I need to balance that with worship and being with God. Mm-hmm. So I think that yep. can help us too, is like, cause we're seeing all these hard, terrible things. So we have to balance with our, mm-hmm. with our walk with God. So. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah, so it's 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 hard times for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, so we talked about you're a renaissance man. So I'm gonna listen to some some things you've done. Rebecca's like renaissance man. i like I love that term. I love that phrase. Um, somebody just called also, me that i would say yeah. I, like i
2: never call myself a house man entrepreneur <laughs> well, but somebody also, like, people just call me that too
1: yeah. yeah well
0: he looks like he's also 12 i mean like yeah. you probably could be our son
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you you're a u.s <laughs> army captain you're an author you're an actor and you're a law student right now and you've gotten your yes, doctorate sir. so
0: he's he getting his doctorate or you got your doctorate? he already got it you got you your got account. your
1: doctorate yeah. september 2022
2: i was actually on 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 Peacock right now, they have the show called Twisted Metal. I was actually on set when they told me I passed. We were on a lightning <laughs> lockdown, and they, my professor called me and played a prank on me. He was like, hey, Joseph, got some news, got your research uh, dissertation. I'm just going to let you know you didn't pass. We're going to oh. have to start you over from year one. What? And I was like, I was standing, and there was just a bunch of mud. I remember just wanting to fall in the mud and not oh, get back up. Oh, my
0: gosh. And
2: he was like, or – or we could send you to graduation because you just passed. Oh my was like, God. oh my gosh. <laughs> and he was yeah. like, I've been working with you so long. I had to mess with you a little bit. Yeah. I didn't realize that Not we had been to cool. working together for three years. He had been, yeah. uh, he was my chair. So that was pretty funny. In retrospect, it was funny at the moment. I like, whew, yeah, that was, yeah. That, was, that was rough. Okay, <laughs> so wait, I have it? to
0: ask one yeah, what question. What'd you do your dissertation
2: on? Um, I actually studied the, uh, so I had a business background I worked in the military, so I had experience with the U.S. government, did a for-profit, the MBA, so I understood the for-profit. So I studied uh, the nonprofit sector and the efficacy of conducting a hybrid business for-profit approach while maintaining your 501c3 status. Um, And so it actually happened during COVID, all my research. And so I was like, well, this is terrible. Because now I can't do my research because everybody I partnered with was shut down. And it actually turned to be a blessing in disguise because I partnered with a local church and they thrived through COVID. And by studying their practices, I got to uh, research an organization, a nonprofit organization that somehow in the middle of the, the world shutting down continue to operate. And then they actually increased their revenue. They showed me their planning, wow. their forecasting accounting practices and so it was it was incredible.
1: Wow, that is really cool. So, what inspires you to do all these things? Why do you want to excel at so many things?
0: Ballroom dancing.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: For me, uh it's really I just it's prayer. I just I uh I think I just ask what God wants me to do and being submissive to that. Cuz I remember when God called me to go get my doctorate, I was in Korea and it was the middle of the North and peace talks. I just got over there. Kim Jong Un was shooting missiles. Um, I was in a new new country. Uh, I was South Korea. I was a liaison to the South Korean army. And God was saying, "You need to go get your doctorate." And I was like, "Did I hear that right? You know, like, when you, you don't want to like <laughs> God? Did you is that what I heard? Did you say that? Uh, did you say maybe I should think about going back to school? What was it?" Um, so it was very clear you need to go get your doctorate. And so um i just remember like praying on god i'm not smart enough for that i have no idea where to even start and it was just the same thing you need to go get your doctorate yeah. and it was like the message hasn't changed it doesn't matter which what you ask the message hasn't changed yeah. um and so he just put it on my heart and i was like i don't really have the money for this so i'm thinking about getting out and i was like but if this is what you want me to do once again I'm going to do it. I'm going to go at it full force. So I just, I applied when I got back to the United States, I found out I was accepted. And, uh, they actually told me, uh, once I got back to the United States, I introduced myself to commander and he said, welcome back to the U S we want to deploy to the middle East. So I was like, okay, uh, um, you're supposed to have a year. You're supposed to have dwell time. So if you spend a year overseas, they're supposed to guarantee you whatever time period. So if it was six months, you get six months back home. If it's nine months." nine months back home. They're like, we want you to waive your dwell time because we need you over in the Middle East. And so I was just like, I just don't have the energy to address this. I like, God, I'm putting this in your hands. And so, which is what I should have done the first time. I don't know why prayer is always the last resort. It should be the first thing we do. Um, and that just, once again, showed me back, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. When it feels hardest, that's when I'm right there with you. Mm -hmm. Um, so I prayed about it. I was like, I'm not going to think about it. And they told me, hey, you're going to be getting out in a year. We're going to keep you here. So it was like one of God's tests. Like, do you trust me or do you trust me? Um, and so I started my doctorate. Uh, and through that, I think that actually gave me the confidence to apply to law school. Because I was like, well, if I can do this. I, I know God has put put it on my heart to go to law school at some point. It's kind of like you just you think it's now. It's always do it now. Yeah. Uh, so I actually applied ten years ago to law school, and it just wasn't the time for me. Um, and so once I got out, it was like when I started, when I was thinking about law school. Like my mindset was different. And I think I was a very different candidate than when I first applied. Um, and so that actually resulted in me getting a partial scholarship. Multiple, I think I was I had offers to almost ten schools, uh, but then it went back again to keeping your eyes on God, because this, I I turned down, I think over a hundred thousand dollars in scholarships. Um, because I was thinking like, okay, well I have to budget. I have to plan, you know, being just trying to plan the finances. And it was like, keep your eyes on me, focus on me. And so I finally, I was like, I need to just pray about this once again. I don't know why I waited to the last. Uh, and then God made it really clear which school I needed to go to um and I wasn't the one that offered the most but now it's the one where the professors are they they help the students the most and they're always willing to work and I was like if I had that money Hmm. I wouldn't be satisfied I know that it's not where I'm supposed to be um and that could be a very dangerous place uh, because I think we all see a lot of people that aren't where they're supposed to be in life they're unhappy unfulfilled and now it's like I'm working 16 to 20 hour days but it's like I wake up looking forward Mm. to studying case law and statutes and chatting with my law peer law school peers. And so I I absolutely love it. Um, I think what, what I've always had that, that need to learn, I love learning. So I don't approach it with, uh, with the worry of failure. I think about like, it's never like, I can't do this. It's how can I do this? Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's like, well, I've never done law school, but I know some people that have my professors have, And I just now I told them, I'm going to attempt to make an appointment with you every single week, because the goal is for me is always surround yourself with people um, that are going to make you better. And I I like Steve Harvey, he talks a lot about his faith. And he said, if four of your friends are smokers, you're going to be the fifth. If four of your friends are alcoholics, you're going to be the fifth. But if four of your friends are doctors... You'll Mm -hmm. be the fifth, and if four of your friends are good Christians, then you'll be the fifth. Mm -hmm. Um, Not necessarily Christian; we all make our mistakes. But for me, that's really important. So, pursuing excellence is how I want to live my life. Um, And I think that's uh, someone said is like I didn't realize it was a football player, a college football player, and he said if you live your life not being the best you, um, you'll have nothing to fall back on when you when you're finally ready to retire. But it's like, if you just pursue excellence all the time, Mm -hmm. um, that's what you're going to be known for. And you're going to get there at some point. Uh, So that's what, for me, it's like always, always trying to do the best, trying to learn something
1: else. Yeah. Yeah. So if there's someone out there, like there's a kid that has no idea what they want to do, what's some, what's the word of encouragement you would give them? Mm -hmm. How do you get started in finding out what you should do?
2: Mm -hmm. The, what was really encouraging to me is first, I always say prayer, pray to God. He's always listening to you. And the Bible says, um, "If you draw nigh unto me, I will draw draw nigh unto thee." So that's the one promise we have. Uh, businesses will turn you down. People won't give you opportunities. But if you say, "If you say, God, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. Please give me direction. Please give me guidance. Mm-hmm. Uh, please give me hope. Please give me strength to do the hard things," He is going to walk you through, it. and He hears that. Um, so I would say the first thing is pray for God's will in your life, um, and then take the first step. Um, whatever you feel like you should be doing um, get a mentor get a get a, a godly person man or woman because um, I get guidance both from men and women and I love both. I love hearing both perspectives and I was asking about getting ready for marriage and dating the women's the women's advice was very very different than the men's advice I'm like just do it it's gonna be so exciting and we were like just wait. Just wait. Don't rush. Don't <laughs> rush. Uh, but both very sound pieces of advice. Yeah. Um, and saying like you need to discuss these things. And so having having that feedback as well for anybody that's young, um, chase what God has put in your heart. Every everyone has that thing inside of them that they know they're supposed to do, and it can be really really scary. But once you do it, the other side of fear is bliss, where you take that step. You're not scared. You're not scared to fail. I was literally singing. Doing like karaoke Christian songs on Facetime last night with somebody, hitting like maybe half the notes, maybe. <laughs> um, but it was I'm like every day just one percent better, just get a little bit better. Um, always make yourself useful uh, for for God's will. Um, mm-hmm. So for me, that's why I said just go chase your dreams because God's the one who put them there.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that. Two things I want to follow up with. Uh, one of my good friends asked me a question one time, and she basically said, "What is God speaking to you about lately?" And that is such a provoking Mm -hmm. question of like, wait, am I listening to God? I mean, it's not just it's, you know, she really wants to know, but it also makes me think like, am I in a place where I'm listening to God? And then the other thing that you hit on, which I think is so important is, and I heard a, a teacher Say this one time, which I thought was so interesting. She said, pay attention to the things that make you sad and make you mad, because God's given you a natural compassion to those things. And I hear that all over Ooh, that's
2: good. That's yeah, really good. I hear it
0: all over you. You have such a compassion for hearing from God. I mean, truly, that is like your intent and to have an unusual, uh, unusual like connection to the Holy Spirit where He's just speaking to you and it's like unusual ears, you know, like I, I love that. And so you're just paying attention to those things that have made you mad and made you sad. And like, I feel like that's a compassion. Oh. That's you, Yeah. Yeah.
2: Oh, thank you. I never, I never thought about that. Thank you. I, I feel like you have the same thing. Cause for me, I was like, I kind of want to start a podcast. I think that and you guys just did it. Like you just went for it. Uh, I love that. That's, those are the kind of people that I want to surround myself with. It's like, where you just, I was like, I don't know how to do this, but You know, like I have a voiceover microphone. um, You you can't really see it. It's like, hey, let's do this. Let's start recording. Let's start, just start, start doing it. We'll, um, be be- <laughs> we'll be your yeah. first
0: guest we'll be your first guest yeah
2: exactly see it's all working out. See, How um, they work
0: out that's right yeah no for real Joseph I feel like we're old friends now and we should totally have dinner sometime when we're in Denver because we come up there a little bit to see the sun. so that would be great and you've been so inspiring on so many levels yeah uh, so many huh. things that I feel like I could take away from this conversation so appreciate so much you taking time to talk to us and just your heart and your openness to speak so rawly um, and about like all the things that you've been through and we just appreciate your service to the country and just your openness we just thank you so much for that
2: wow thank you both for having me I feel, that, I feel the same way too it feels like we've known each other for a really long time it's <laughs> every time I, I go through those stories and talk about it I always think it's really really hard to go through it but it's gotten easier Every second, or every time I've I've told the story, yeah. and somebody told me once. He was like, I said, I just wanted to help one person when I wrote the book, and I was actually on set getting ready to go on camera, and he said, I don't want to hit this. This is pretty heavy. It's it's pretty hard. But what if the one person you need to help was you?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was like yes oh my gosh you're like hey
2: joe we're rolling let's go i was like <laughs> what you're gonna do that right before we start and yeah. so for me that was that's really that's therapeutic so but thank you both yes. for what you think for having me um the fact oh. that you just you're living the christian life you're living out and the work that you're doing is for the gospel of jesus christ that's that's mm-hmm. so inspiring to me that's something every day i wonder like am i making a difference mm-hmm. um am i what else can i be doing how can i use this to serve god because a lot of times you're in these situations, you're like, I don't, it feels like you're not making a difference in eternity, um, but as long as we're right where God wants us, and that's where that's where we need to
0: be. Yeah, that's right.
1: Yeah, he can use the smallest thing that we do, so mm-hmm. we can't take yeah. any of that for granted. So.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm not crying. You're crying.
1: I don't have to admit, I got, I teared up a few times with Joseph there.
0: Well, I did too. The story about his mom, I was like, mm, tapping yeah. out.
1: Well, and just to hear someone talk about how God's working in their lives, it just kind of gets you fired up and ready to see God in your own life. Yeah. So pretty inspirational stuff. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So if you guys are not following him on social media, it's Preacher Joe with no E on Instagram. And you guys need to hop on Amazon and order this book because it is so good. It's a quick read. It'll be so inspiring. You are going to wing to hear All the words he has to say. We're so thankful he took time on Hardy Party Five and a Half today. Hardy Party Five and a Half, over and out.
1: We'll see you next time.